0: A young man traveling down the highway sees a horrific accident. Or does he? And then we travel to a little house in the suburbs to meet a mom, a dad, and their two children. Everything is going just fine. Smiles and laughter fill the house. Little baby going, doing baby stuff. But little does his family know this peaceful household is about to be invaded by a ghastly presence. One that has no remorse in leaving behind a morbid calling card. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. Host Jason Carpenter, I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun, doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Command after his all-star performance. Last episode, he didn't get to fly the Carpenter copter, so he's back. Give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, d Woohoohoo! I don't know. I I feel bad a little bit because that might be his real name. He might be Charles... Charles DeWormius and it's not even how it's pronounced it could be DeWamius or something and I said at the end of the last episode email me between episodes so I can say your name correctly Uh, to be honest I'm recording this episode like 20 minutes after I finished recording the last episode there's no way he could have emailed me in time but still hit me up if I'm not pronouncing it right maybe it's a nickname I don't know the though, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. I truly do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Yesterday's episode with The it was weird, too. It was It was an unusual episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. It was kind of more theoretical than anything. I really just kind of wanted to talk about Philip K. Dick. It harkened back to my days when I did an entire episode about Phantom of the Opera. Really, I just wanted to talk about Phantom of the Opera. You know, it's like when you're in college. We did it in high school, too, where all of a sudden there's a paper due on the politics of 1980s, and you're somehow able to work in your love of Primus. You want to talk? You really want to write a paper about Primus, so somehow you work it into the political scene of the 1980s. Sometimes I have to use the podcast to do that, too. I do it very rarely, but I did it yesterday. To warn me, so let's go ahead and get this episode started off, though. I'm going to toss you the oars to the Dead Rabbit rowboat, a classic. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Row, row, row us all the way out to... College. Ooh, splash! Ooh, splash! We're all putting those oars in that water. We're going all the way back to school. Back to college. We don't have an exact location for this story. It's... The person who posted it, we're going to call him Josh. He said it took place in a huge, well-known college town. So Berkeley, maybe? Harvard? Is there a Harvard town next to it? Yale? Yaleville? A huge, well-known college town. It's the year 2007, and it's dusk. Josh, he's in his 20s, and he's uh, driving around, probably looking for a party to go to at this huge college town. Or, I don't know, maybe just going with Java Taco Bell. It doesn't say. Anyways, he's stuck on this highway on-ramp area. He's sitting at a traffic light. And the way that it's all set up is he goes, I'm sitting there, I'm stuck in this traffic light. The, w- the way it's set up, so he's behind a car. In front of that car, there's a, a young man on a scooter. And then there's a couple cars in front of him. So it's it's a bit backed up. And they have the choice to go straight or make a left turn theater of the mind people you're like jotting down notes you're like oh wait wait what forget all that the point is is that josh is sitting in his car and he sees a young man on a scooter about a car ahead of him they're all at this traffic light and the cars start moving the traffic thing, the light turns green everyone starts moving and the kid on the scooter starts to drive out and all of a sudden out of nowhere A car just creams into this kid. (sniffs) Slams into him going 40. The kid has a helmet. This kid on the motorcycle. Again, he's like the scooter. He's in his 20s. He has a helmet, but it's no help. Josh says this car hit him so hard. The kid goes flying in the air. Flies into the median, right? Into the middle of the road. Crashes to the ground and is completely motionless. The car that hit him just sped off, is gone. And it seems like a lot of the other traffic that was kind of in this area, some of them didn't see it. Some of them were ahead of the guy on the scooter, so they, they've driven by. I don't know what the people are doing behind Josh, the other people who are at this traffic light, but Josh gets out of his car and he begins running towards... This crumpled body in the middle of the road while he's calling 911. At that point, he sees someone else approaching the kid. The, he's dead, right? This kid's been completely just. If, if he's not dead, he's dying, would be a good way to sum this up. He's motionless on the street after getting hit by a car going 40 miles an hour and flying through the air. Josh isn't a doctor. Neither am I. But the, but the prognosis does not look good. And Josh is running towards his body. He's calling 911. Yeah, there was just a horrible traffic accident. Yeah, we're out here on the highway on ramp. And some guy just creamed this kid. And as he's, as he's doing that, as he's talking to 911 and getting closer to the kid's body, someone else is approaching, which is kind of what you want in these situations. You want other people to show up. Everyone might be able to help in a different way. He does start to see this guy... Josh sees this guy walking towards him and walking towards this body lane in the middle of the street. But it's not just that this guy is... It's not like this guy is just walking over to be part of the rescue effort. Josh picks up on a few really interesting details very quickly. He goes, first off, remember, this is a highway on-ramp. And this kid is now laying in the median. Of this highway. There's three lanes of traffic to get from the side of the street where I see the stranger coming from. He's not coming from my side. He's crossing these three lanes of traffic and he goes, and he's just walking across the street. He's not looking for cars that are driving by. Cars aren't necessarily whizzing by him. He's not doing like any sort of matrix moves, but he goes, this guy didn't even look. He just started crossing the highway without a second glance. I, I mean, the dude could be in shock, right? How often do you see a tragic event like this? he goes, this guy's not looking anywhere. In fact, he's staring straight at me. And I get to the scene. And I see this kid, and he's laying there, and I'm still on the phone, 911. This guy's still walking towards me. And apparently this kid had a helmet, but the the helmet's damaged at some point, or it fell off of him. I don't know. And to be fair, this is the point where you go, uh, ah, I don't know, Jason. This story might be a little a little iffy, but Josh gets a good look at this kid's face. He's laying there on the ground, he looks at this guy he doesn't recognize him. Or does he? Because as he's looking at this kid's face, he looks back up at the stranger walking towards both of them, and he said this stranger kind of looked like the kid. Not exactly. wasn't a clone. But there was something... The stranger reminded me of this guy on the ground, and I had never met this guy on the ground, but there was something familiar about him. Kind of looked like him, but kind of didn't. I, you just—you must just be in shock, Josh. Like, what could this possibly be? And he goes, "This guy's still walking towards me." And he gets close enough, and he just says to me, "Walk away." He's fine. And and Josh says, "I I heard what he said, but I didn't really process it. I didn't really process it." He goes, "I'm standing there, and something—I I, I kind of looked away. Something drew my attention away from the stranger, away from this kid's body." He told me to walk away. He's fine. And I'm thinking like, I'm hearing the words, but I don't understand what that means. And I kind of look away and I'm thinking about it. And this man says, do you believe in angels? Now, Josh doesn't know if he's saying it to him or saying it to the kid. Or it's just a rhetorical question. But Josh does turn back. And the stranger's gone. Josh then looks down. The kid's gone. Josh looks back over to the traffic light where they were all stopped at. And he sees all the cars that were there previously, the kid on his scooter, another car, Josh's car, unmanned, sitting at this traffic light. The light turns green. Traffic goes as normal. The kid on the scooter is not run over and killed. The oddest thing now is Josh's car sitting there with no driver. And he goes, I ran back and I got in my car and I have to process everything that I saw. I began driving down the highway and I remember very clearly the events of that night and also how eerily quiet and empty the entire drive was. The whole highway seemed empty. You know, this can be classified as a guardian angel story. Uh, this was posted by someone who goes by the name Impressive Bench 268 which that would be an impressive bench. Uh, it was interesting. It was posted as a guardian angel story, but I think it's more than that. It's really hard. A lot of times, you know, when we come across these stories about quantum immortality, uh, the timeline resetting, Most of the time, it's the witness themselves. It's the witness themselves dying and being sorted through a giant water wheel or dying and having a near-death experience and then being replaced seconds before the accident happened and they're able to avoid it. This one truly is a third party. Josh is the witness to all of this stuff. The kid may have never even known what he had avoided. Time reset itself to before when that light turned green. And anyone else in that area, anyone else who was paying attention to these events, they may have told a story. You know, it was super weird. I was at a traffic light earlier tonight, and there was a guy sitting in the car behind me at the stoplight. I don't even know why I paid attention to it. And then I looked back, and his door was open, and he was gone. And I looked over, and as I was driving away, he was in the middle of the highway walking back to his car is the weirdest thing i'd ever seen i don't know how he got out there so fast or so safe that would be their version of the story they would see a man disappear from his car and then see him standing in the middle of the road and being like what (laughs) the guy in the middle of the road's like what's going on that's if they even noticed how much how often do you notice stuff like this when you're driving down the road That'd be their version of the story. His version of the story is he existed in two timelines. And what's very, very interesting is when the timeline reset, he didn't. He was still in the location at the end of the last timeline. Super bizarre stuff. This is why I wanted... Originally, this story was going to go on yesterday's episode with all the other Philip K. Dick stuff. Because this is reality bending. This isn't just Guardian Angel. Which those stories are interesting in and of themselves sometimes a lot of times they're boring (laughs) not to the person going through it they're like i got to live again i got to hug my children one more time yeah yeah it's fascinating but as far as like being able to talk about it on a podcast it's not the most entertaining thing this one not only is it the guardian angel aspect comes from the 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 stranger walking across the road And it does, I guess it meets the threshold of a guardian angel story. And it also, we talked about this a long time ago, are guardian angels future versions of ourselves? Is it possible that your guardian angel is you from the future? And it was a guy who was in a car accident and he saw an old man, not an old man, but like a man in his forties with a beard, calm him down during the accident and, and keep him in his right mind. And it was, everyone survived, but it was very bloody and tragic. And then 20 years later, he looked in the mirror and realized that guy was him. Because he'd grown his beard out and his face, you know, wrinkles and all that stuff. And that that's a theory. This—that's this, another reason why I wanted to tell this story was because we have that same thing. It's Could it have been an older version of the kid? And that's why he looked the same but not different. I will say, the idea of... I, I, I'm a little skeptical about how Josh saw him without his helmet on. That's why I kind of was like, well, we know he had a helmet on because Josh says it didn't help. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of convenient if the helmet dramatically splits into revealing. If, also, I imagine his face would be paste getting hit 40 miles an hour. Maybe it's a really good helmet. But if the helmet's good enough to keep him his head from getting demolished, I mean, sure, he has traumatic brain injuries inside the skull, but outside... Um, that part, when I was reading it to you, when I was talking about it with you guys, I go, "Mm, that sounds a little tricky because that means the visor popped off. He got a good look at the kid's face or the helmet was destroyed or it rolled off in some way. So, cause otherwise, how would he know what this face looked like compared to that face? I did want to address that. It it would require the helmet to do something quite cinematic to reveal his face. So you'd have that part of the story, but. Overall, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting Guardian Angel story because it involves a hard time reset. Most Guardian Angel stories are they. you have Mandela Effect or Quantum Immortality stories where time is reset. Then you have Guardian Angel stories where the incident happens, but the Guardian Angel helps them through it. This one's kind of a combination of the two. And then it's the witness. It's not the guy in the car accident who's meeting the angel. It's not the witness in the car accident who goes, the next thing I knew, I was totally fine. It's a third party. It's a guy who's just walking around who ends up the most... Again, if he had just ended up back in his car, that would have been one thing. If he goes, yeah, I saw this whole accident and ran out in the middle of the road. Someone said uh, don't worry, he'll be okay, or walk away, he'll be okay, and the next thing you know, I was back in the car, and the traffic light was green, we've covered stories like that, that, and I have a story that'll be coming up in a couple weeks, that's kind of similar to that, um, that's a hard universe reset, like, all the pieces are back in the position, the game, the chess game has been reset, And he has the memories of that alternate timeline, the memories of that other universe. He sees the kid ride away in the scooter, and he's like, wow. That story, that version of it is weird enough. That is not this version. Everything reset but him. And the guy's not even part of the narrative. Like, he was just a guy on the phone walking towards the body. And you, you can go all sorts of ways with this, right? He's... The guy told him to walk away, and he didn't. He stayed there, and I'm wondering if because he didn't move out of the, whatever was going on here, he got stuck. I don't think it's like two alternate timelines. I don't think he went home and his wife was drinking a bottle of Diet Smoke. And he's like, what? They used to call it Coke in my timeline. What is this madness? I don't necessarily think he's in an alternate universe. He could be. It's just a fascinating story. I mean, he could be in an alternate timeline. We don't know. But it's really rare when it is a third party who gets thrust into these events and is stuck standing in the middle of the road. Everyone else who told tells the story, even the kid on the scooter, would probably be like, yeah, one day I was at a traffic light. And the next thing you know, there was a guy standing in the middle of the road. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. I looked over there. He wasn't there. And then I saw him, and then when I looked in my rearview mirror, I saw there was a car with a door open. He just like walked and got in the car, and it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That's what's so bizarre about it. You would have two tellings of this story, and he's the only one who remembers his version. Very, very bizarre. And I, I'm glad I was able to share that story with you. And again, it's very Philip K. Dickish, Dickish story. Dewar and let's go ahead and toss you those keys of that carpenter copter. We're going to leave behind this highway. We're waving goodbye to everybody. See you later. Fly us all the way out to a new home. We're going to visit this new home. This story takes place August 2023. Very recent story. Unless you're listening to this podcast in five years. Then you're like, what? That was a long time ago. Well, anyways, anyways, doesn't matter. August twenty twenty three. We're about to meet this new family. They're moving into a two story home. You got mom. We're gonna give them all fake names. Mom, we're gonna call her Paula. Dad is Mike. God <laughs> damn, Jason, I going to remember these names. It was a family of eighteen. Paul is the mom, Mike is the dad, they have an older son, we'll call him Ernie, or Ernest. And then they have a daughter, a four-month-old baby, we're going to call her Monica. So hopefully you wrote those names. No, you don't have to write those names down, only a few are key. But I do have to jump between characters. I don't want to keep doing voices for him. We're in this brand new house, we're hanging out with this family... And the way it's laid out is, uh, apparently, Ernie has his own room. It doesn't say how old he is. But, you know, a kid, right? Probably seven or eight. Monica's four months old, so she's, from what I understand, sleeping in her parents' room. She might be in a separate room. There was some confusion about that in the posting. But, basically, Monica, I don't know where a four-month baby sleeps, right? I know they're in a crib. But I don't know if the crib's in the parents' room or their own room. Probably not, like, the basement. But second floor of the house is where Monica's crib is. And uh, Paula, she's the one who's telling us the story. She goes, Monica's a chubby kid. Monica's a chubby little baby. Chunky is the word she used, which I think is more hurtful than chubby. Chunky. I mean, unless she looks like the thing from, from Superheroes, like she's actually made of chunks. I'd prefer to be called Chubby than Chunky. The reason why it's important is because she can barely move. She's that chunky. This baby is so fat, she can't move. Apparently, she's barely able to roll on her side. So, there you go. We got a baby that... I don't think it's Pearl from Blade, either. I don't think it's this massive baby. It's actually four cribs fused together. I demand more. Monica says as folds of fat are being pushed out of these crib bars. Anyways, I think it's just a, a big, fat baby who can't move. I don't think it's the biggest, fattest baby that's ever lived. Anyways, they're in this house. You got a fat baby, you got an older son, and you got a mom and dad. And they start to notice strange things in this house. First off... They begin to hear footsteps late at night. Mm. 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 It should be alarming. It should be alarming. But Monica goes, you know, we we lived in a haunted house before, not necessarily a haunted house, but we've had old, we've had paranormal events happen at our old home. So you know, we'd hear noises from time to time. Nothing too insane. Nothing podcast worthy. So when you're hearing footsteps at night, you just kind of think, oh, it could be the house settling. (laughs) Could be Monica getting up. Could be her rolling down the stairs to make 10 peanut butter and jellies. It could be a ghost. But we've had a ghost before. It's just weird noises, whatever. One day, Mike is taking a nap while Monica is in the crib. And Mike starts to hear Monica. Crying. <collapse> and Mike is just laying there. And he wants to nap. He wants to sleep. And he hears his wife. He hears Paula say. Don't worry honey. I'll get the baby. So Mike's laying there, but he keeps hearing Monica. Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. hoo 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 -hoo -hoo," And it goes on and on and on. So Mike finally gets up. Baby's fine. Monica's just laying there in her mega crib. Seems fine, right? No real reason to be crying. Maybe she's hungry. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she wants something to eat. But the point is, he thought it was really weird that Paula said, I'll go check on him or check on her, that Paula said, I'll go check on her and then never did anything. So he mentions it later to Paula and Paula's like, what are you talking about? He goes, when I was taking my nap, you said you were going to go check on Monica, but like you weren't you weren't in there. I went in there. Baby was still crying. And Paula goes, that didn't happen. I was outside with Ernie. When you were taking your nap. Me and him, me and your son, our son, were outside. So that's concerning. That's hearing footsteps at night, I think, is creepy. That alone is creepy. Even if you've lived in a place with ghostly activity before, hearing something walking around your house at night, I think it's easy though to chalk that up to all sorts of things, just your imagination raccoons, obese babies, you could chalk it up to a real answer. But if it turned out to be ghosts, it might make you a little more reluctant to walk through the house at night, like you might turn on the hall light to go to the bathroom. But hearing something imitate your wife's voice in such a specific fashion, fact- in such a specific fashion, it was basically saying, "Don't get up, I'll take care of the baby." That is something you don't want a ghost to say. Like that, that implies a intent. Imitating the voice is creepy enough. If you came home and you heard a voice of one of your loved ones in your house going, dinner's almost ready. And you look at your watch and it's like three. And you're like, what? That's weird. Dinner's early today. And then you put on a bib. And then you're disappointed when there is no dinner. When you show up, you walk to the kitchen. There's not a bunch of Swedish meatballs already made, a lot of delicious snacks. There's not a bag of Dorito chips already ripped open and poured in a bowl. It was all a lie. It was a ghost. There's a ghost messing with you. And now you're like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm just going to eat what's in the cabinets. Yum, yum, yum. That's one thing. But imagine if you came home and you heard the voice of one of your loved ones say, Come in the basement. I got a surprise for you. And then you hear the sound of a Dorito bag being ripped open. You're like, ooh, that's creepier. Because now trying to lure you into a location. Sure, you could argue that saying dinner's ready. is trying to get you into the kitchen. But it's a bit different. It's a bit different. I didn't pick a good scenario for the first one, to be honest. I am very hungry. What I'm saying is that the second one, they're trying to get you into a specific location. It's creepy. It's imitating the voice and it's having something to do with the baby. Now they're more concerned about what's going on. This started in August of 2023 and it culminates on August 15th of 2023. Well, we say culminates, it, I imagine this is gonna get worse. Paula wakes up in the morning, she checks on Monica. And this is one of the reasons why I think the crib is in the parents' bedroom. If to go back over that last story. If Mike is laying in bed and the baby's in the room, the baby's definitely just driving him nuts, crying, crying, crying. If he had a baby monitor, he, he would just turn it down. He's like, nope. Click. <laughs> You're not going to die in the next couple of minutes, right, baby? Click, shut off the baby monitor. I think the baby is in the room, but she, she may not. The crib may be in a separate room, but, but again, this does play an important part of where the baby's at. Paula wakes up. She checks on Monica. Monica is still sleeping in the crib. Paula then goes to Ernie's room, gets him up, wakes him up, gets him ready for the day. She then goes back in to check on Monica. The crib is, I don't want to say covered, but splattered with blood. There's blood on the crib. There's blood on a nearby windowsill. There's blood on the carpet, blood on the wall, blood on Mike and Paula's bed. Which is why I think this is all in the same room. Blood everywhere. And what's super interesting about this particular story, it was posted online by someone going by the name Celia 31 They uploaded a ton of photos. It's a lot of blood. It's possible, right, that these photos are faked. All of this stuff could be fake. All of it could be fake. We see real news that's fake. Fake news is what they call it. it all be fake. But anyways, it's very rare that we get photos with these types of stories. The previous story, a guy didn't take a photo of a crumpled kid's body in the middle of the road. There's photos of it, and it's a lot of blood. I don't want to say it's covered, but there's a lot of... There, here's the thing. When I was reading the story, I hadn't looked at the photos yet. I was surprised by the amount of blood. It looks like a lot of bloody handprints. And what's really interesting about this is, even though I looked through their previous posting history, they don't talk a lot about paranormal stuff. Even though Paula says that they had previous paranormal encounters, her first instinct in this moment is, oh my God, my daughter's been hurt. She thinks that Monica's bleeding. That is the very first thing they are looking at. They call 911. Because they have this blood all over this room. They think their daughter's injured. Paul is able to verify Monica's not injured. They do take her to the doctor to get checked out. Because that would be your first instinct. Even though we, in the world of the paranormal, if your baby's crib is covered in blood, don't go, oh, who was summoning the Dark Lord? No, take your baby to the hospital, right? At a certain point, that's what we were talking about yesterday with mental illness versus the paranormal, sometimes you gotta go, it's time to go to the doctor. The, Monica's totally fine. She doesn't have any bleeding. There's no wounds, no marks. The police show up, and they take blood samples. This is, from all accounts, human blood. This isn't some green ectoplasm. It's nothing like that. The doc. The, the police show up. They do... Check the place out. They're looking for signs of an intruder, a flesh and blood intruder. They don't find any. They take blood samples. And again, you know, this story was posted back in August 15th. They're still waiting for results. It's not like I, she might have had. Now I'm recording this in September. Hopefully she's gotten something now. But really, a lot of it depends on, you know, how the cops How 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 busy they are, how much they're going to work on a case where it's just blood in a room that shows no sign of a break in versus these places that were actually broken into. And there were people, the blood came from the people laying on the ground. Let's find their murderers. You know what I mean? Like there is a process. But the last that I checked, she was still posting that they were waiting for results. And I can double check to see when that last post was. And I'll do that in a second. But yeah, it's super bizarre that they find this blood. And that's not even it. She said that one of the other odd details, other than the huge amount of blood in there, in the crib, it was mostly around the crib and on the bars of the crib. I'll put the photos in the show notes. You can look at them as well. Is that when... uh, When Monica was born, I guess this is a thing. You might be able to narrow down where this story took place or what country it's in. Maybe they do this everywhere. They said when Monica was born, they were given a spoon. They were given a souvenir spoon. I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if the doctor's like covered in blood and afterbirth. And he's like, well, another successful delivery, ma'am. Here's your spoon. I don't know if it's from the hospital or if like grandma bought it in the gift shop. It just says a hospital souvenir spoon. I don't know. Maybe they're like, this is the spoon we used to scoop out your daughter. It's a giant ladle. It's a giant paddle. She said we had a souvenir spoon from the hospital, which I can't, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think it's just, I don't think that means the hospital gave it to them. I think it means someone bought it out of the hospital, but that just shows how my how my brain processes language. A souvenir spoon from the hospital, I assume the hospital gave it to them. But maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know nothing about babies. She goes, we had the souvenir spoon in a little gift box signed signed by the head hospital guy. No, they had a spoon in a gift box up in the closet. And when I came in and saw this blood and I'm freaking out and I'm trying to figure out everything that's going on. She realized this not immediately, but she realized that that spoon had been removed from the spoon in the box, that box that had the spoon in it had been removed from the top of the closet. It was no longer up there. It was now on the ground or on a shelf or something like that. And that box also had blood, uh, blood stains on it. Like someone with bloody hands was handling it. They're not like perfect fingerprints or anything like that. It's just like if someone had blood on their hands, it looks like they walked through. She also, also later realized that there were streaks of blood behind one of their bathroom doors. And and she goes, it looked like someone who had blood on their fingers just kind of ran their fingers across the door. A, a, A terrifying encounter by any means. Let me take a quick look here and see. The last post she really has that she's put, she goes, and this was 24 days ago, so this would have put it, Late August, really late August, maybe a week later. It goes, we haven't heard anything back from the police, but I'm going to call Monday if I don't hear anything from them. Uh, all the locks have been changed. They put up cameras in their bedroom, but they haven't seen anything abnormal. They said, the uh, Polly goes, the other night, the whole downstairs smelled like cigarette smoke. I woke my husband up to make sure I wasn't losing my mind because neither of us smoke and he smelled it too. She goes that they've checked the attic make sure nobody's up there she goes her son started to have night terrors nobody has any clue what's going on i still have no clue what's causing it or if the weird stuff that happens is related to the blood but the kids have had doctor appointments since then and they're both fine so she even had um ernie checked out Um, really she hasn't posted anything at all since that she posted that on on 24th day and then she did she posted on i think a uh another medical reddit type thing but it had nothing to do with that it was uh she's not she hasn't posted it since she posted that she hasn't posted anything since that day on any on any forum that we can see. So I don't think that that I means the worst. But dude, who knows? I mean, anything with blood, anything that involves children. She's even told her neighbors, and the neighbors have been like, we'll help keep an eye out. Because where, what do you think this is? Do you think it is an intruder? Do you think it's a ghost? Both are terrifying. Both are absolutely terrifying. And I feel like they're going through the motions right the the proper motions they're treating it as a real threat like it could be a physical force it could be a guy living in the attic it could be someone with keys that is sneaking into the house it could be a flesh and blood human okay it could be a flesh and blood human doing terrifying things to us so we're doing that we're also looking at it, it might be paranormal and then what do you do to protect yourself from that because that would explain stuff like the footsteps. The, see, the footsteps, like, it is interesting they, ch- they check the attic. Because you would think this is a real person, but then when your son's starting to have night terrors and they imitating the voice perfectly and all of this stuff, like, what does any of this mean? Is it real life? Is it paranormal? Uh, Paula did continue to respond to a lot of questions, which, again, is very helpful, especially when you're trying to look at this from a, a research standpoint. Like, what is this phenomenon? What was... Fascinating is, uh, that's Paula did state we've had paranormal events happen at a previous house, she said back in 2018, so not too long ago, five years ago she said that her and her husband had played with a Ouija board and haven't done it since doesn't say that it was necessarily the worst experience of their life, could have opened up a gateway Um, but we don't know, right? Could could have just been little parlor trick i stay away from ouija boards personally what i i found super interesting was that they talked about this is where it gets really creepy and and very unsettling they you i read all these posts they keep talking about previous haunting stuff stuff and it's pretty basic footsteps banging banging noises toys playing with themselves I said that wrong. Um, Toys playing on their own. (laughs) That's a totally different story. That would be disturbing. Um, No, not toys playing with themselves. Toys. (laughs) (laughs) Totally ruined. This is creepy. This is creepy. Let me get back on track. Toys playing on their own. She said that was the previous activity they had at their old house. Well, she said, um, I don't even know how to interpret this. I mean, I do. I just almost don't want to. It's too creepy. Quote, The footsteps banging and toys playing on their own started after we had a miscarriage a year after my son was born. So Ernie was born a year later. They have a miscarriage. And then a a time after that, again, we don't know how old Ernie is. I'm wondering how old he is, actually. Let, Let me really see if I can confirm that. But basically the setup would be Ernie, they lose a child, and then they have Monica, who's only four months old. And as disturbing as it is, right? You know, you know, I don't want to say it. You know, it's really creepy and and quite tragic. But could God, I? God, don't even want, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. Uh, but uh, what, is it possible that this middle child is jealous? This child who was not able to be born into the world. Is it jealous? Is it mad? Does it want revenge? And that's, it sounds tactless, right? It sounds tactless to say that you're being hunted by a, uh, your dead child, and and it has a beef with your living daughter. I mean, that sounds pretty tactless, but hey, listen, like the world of the paranormal, like if if the story's fake, if it's all made up, if it's all just some ARG or something like that, then that sucks for us, but that's cool, because that doesn't involve dead babies, right? Like, I would much rather the story be fake than for the story to be true about her losing a child and that ghost that child ghost is now haunting a four-month-old his four-month-old sister i would much rather turn out to be a fool and believe these fake photos than to have that story be true but that it's possible in the world of paranormal what we talk about that this family is being haunted by a ghost from that family and really that's the how do you get rid of that ghost This is a very powerful spirit to manifest blood. Blood that can be photographed and samples can be taken of it and taken down to a police laboratory. All that. This is very, very powerful spirit. This is not, you know, the ghost of a baby underneath your bed. Or you open up your laundry hamper and you see little, little eyes staring at you from the darkness of your hamper. It's terrifying. Those are both spooky. This one's able to mimic voices perfectly. leave behind trace evidence blood, manifest blood. And if it's this demon in your house, you can call in an exorcist. You can call in a medium. If it's just a spirit or a psychic, or you can sage the house, you could get it out of there. But if it's your child's ghost... and it doesn't want to leave, what do you do? Like, would you even feel comfortable saging out your own kid's ghost? I think some families, if they believe that their house was haunted by the soul of one of their dead children, and I'm sorry that I have to keep saying that sentence over and over again. I truly am. It's dark. But if you're... If you had a house that was haunted by the soul of one of your dead kids, I think the bigger issue, like you could every so often you can hear him running around in his baseball cleats in the middle of the night very distinct sound cleats on wood you I think your concern would be I don't ever want to move because I don't want to leave him behind. Like, is there a way to move his spirit with us? Can we get him to attach to this vase or something? So I think that would be more of the course of action a family would be thinking about if their house was haunted by one of their dead relatives. This is the opposite. This is a complete, and it may not be the child's ghost. It may not be. Remember, the paranormal activity at the old house started after the miscarriage. And the footsteps and the toys playing by themselves. That could be, you go, oh, our house is haunted by our kid, possibly. That's why it's playing with these toys. We had no hauntings before. I've had a miscarriage. Now the ghost is here. Now it's more maniacal. They've moved. The spirit has followed them. And now it's tricking the dad into not waking up. Again, a pitch-perfect... Mimic that is you see a lot of stories of them online comparatively they're very very rare in the world of the paranormal I actually dismiss a lot of mimic stories I read a ton of them and I go I I don't think that one's true or a lot of times I go it's just too boring it's just someone imitating your voice whatever this one has a purpose don't get up I'll take care of the baby and uh, then leaves blood all over the house the smoke smell who knows who even knows what's causing that Like, I think this is definitely escalating. And I think this family's, it's very possible they're going to have to make a choice. They may have to exercise the soul of their dead child. You may have to sage him out of the house. You may have to bring someone in who talks at best, talks him to going over to the other side, but if he doesn't want to leave, if this ghost is already doing malignant and evil things, he may not want to leave. You may have to sage him out. You may have to have him cast out. It would be the equivalent of you having three kids and your middle child is trying to physically harm your four-month-old baby. This type of stuff does happen. And families let it go on. They try to get counselors involved in medication and all this stuff. But eventually that family is going to have to make a choice. Do we, what do we do with the middle child? He's going to kill his four month old sister. We know that. What do we do? And a lot of times you just have to get him out of the house, send him to an orphanage, foster care, whatever. And this family may be faced with that same decision. And again, you're not just sending your kid off to an orphanage that maybe they'll get the help they need. And when they're older, you can reconnect. You're possibly banishing your child's soul to an eternity of wandering through the unknowable mists of time. You know what I mean? There's, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between the two. But I think that's what's happening. And this family's going to have to make that choice. And we all know what the choice is going to be you would obviously choose your living daughter over the ghost of your dead child i mean i think that's obvious right i don't think anyone is making a pro and con list they're like well that baby was quite chunky i think that that's the obvious one but then the question comes what how do you how do you get rid of this he's already moved with them he's already transferred from one location to another again that takes a, a lot of power for a spirit A lot of power. That's why the original family, like, you would have to try to figure out a way to move a ghost from one location to another. I see people post about it occasionally online. It's not easy to do. It often fails, and that's why a house can be haunted long after the people who lived there, the the, the cause of the haunting, are long gone. It's very hard for a ghost to leave a location like that, and Crazy story, though, isn't it? And they haven't posted since. I don't necessarily think that means that this entire family has been slaughtered by a baby ghost. But, I mean, that's the ridiculous answer to it. I mean, again, in the world of paranormal, it's definitely possible. I did think about it for a second. I don't think that's what happens, but this family's going to have to make that decision real quick. Over what to do. And I think the longer that they deny that. Listen, I could be totally wrong. I shouldn't say deny. I could be totally wrong about this. This is just my read on it. But if I am right, the longer they wait on how to deal with this, the harder it's going to be. This thing's generating a lot of power. It's only going to get harder. And it's not just going to get physically harder. It's going to get emotionally harder. Because at the end of the day, you're choosing between children. One's living, one is dead. But it's a hard choice to make. And even when you make that decision, you've got to... I mean, in the real world, you can have the police cart your bad seed, your troubled child, out of your home. They can come in and grab them, take them out of the house. But this is something completely different. In this scenario, the paranormal force... It's more powerful than any pair of handcuffs or any legal system. So who knows how this is going to play out. I do, on, on and I'll wrap it up like this because I could go on and on. I do find it infinitely fascinating that somewhere out there in a police evidence locker there is a vial full of blood that... If it does get tested, and again, there's a lot of times huge backlogs and they make determinations on emergencies of when to test up. But it's possible that when that blood is tested, I would be very, very curious as to what it is. It would be jaw-droppingly bizarre and ultimately tragic if the blood in that vial came from someone who is genetically the same as Paula and Mike. It came from their child. But you could do tests and rule out that it didn't come from Ernie. But it also didn't come from Monica. There's a little... Sample of blood sitting in a police station somewhere that might be proof of life after death. And it also might be proof that revenge is coming. deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one. Guys.